know your worth and know what you really want. Not what you think you should want, what you really want. Write that down on a piece of paper or wherever on your phone or something. Keep it there and don't waver from it. Welcome to the Ripcord Moment, a podcast focused on empowering business owners to optimize their company along with their personal finances and succession plans. I'm your host, Joe Situ. In this season, we're focused on younger entrepreneurs who are navigating the challenges of the current environment. Our hope is that their stories inspire you to take the actions needed to overcome the challenges in your business that you might be facing. Grow and scale your company in a way you envision and ultimately achieve your perfect landing. Welcome to the Record Moment. I'm your host, Joe Situ. Today, we're joined by Julia Schieffer. She's the editor and founder of DerivaSource. It's a digital publication uh, magazine that covers OTC derivatives, uh, both for pre- and post-trade operations, technology, fintech, risk management, uh, et cetera. And Markets Media Group acquired her company uh, in 2021. Uh, she's worked at, in the publishing arena as a consultant uh, both for DerivaSource and wider business strategies for quite some time. Prior to starting her company over a decade ago, uh, she actually wrote for multiple trade publications, both in the United States and in the UK, as a freelance journalist and was the managing editor of Operations Management. Now, this was a publication for Institutional Investor uh, News and Euromoney PC. She's also a board member of Women Enlisted Derivatives, WILD Group, a nonprofit for women, uh, both in London, starting in 2001 up until 2021. Julia, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited about our discussion today. Thank you for having me, Joe. Well, you have a really interesting background. Uh, what got you, tell me a little bit more about your business and, and why you started your company. Well, I think you summarized DerivSource quite well, just to give a little bit more information. So, DerivSource is, as you said, an online community and information source for OTC derivatives professionals globally. And so, as you pointed out, we cover risk, regulation, technology, and we also cover crypto derivatives, all the new trends, you know, ESG derivatives, the technology that is underpinning some of the innovation in the space. Um, and also in the past, we've touched on professional development. And so that's DNI, that's looking at job trends, hybrid working. And we really try to look at our audience members holistically. So sometimes that includes some professional development in addition to the topics and trends that we would cover. So you're bringing a professional development into something as technical and esoteric as derivatives. That's That, that covers quite a spectrum uh, for your audience. Well, audience is very specific. It's okay. very segmented. So I think when you go narrow and deep and you're very focused on something, for us, you know, OTC derivatives and post-trade downwards, you know, it's not, we're not speaking to the entire institutional finance space. So you can really focus holistically on that individual because they have a very unique working experience compared to other financial professionals. No, I like, I mean, I love the fact that you're going so deep in such a specific uh, uh, industry. What, what really drew you to the, to the space? Well, I started with the reason why I started DerivSource was really born out of an idea. And that idea was back when I was working as a journalist, I really noticed a gap in the market. And that gap in the market is, is kind of in line with what I just said. You know, a lot of the B2B trade publications covering finance in this space at that time 
They were covering all of capital markets, but they weren't covering operations too much except for covering securities operations, which yeah. is much more man it's much more automated than the manual processing, uh, especially when I started, which OTC derivatives face, you know, very paper contract based. Okay. So what happened really, Joe, is that as a youngin, I had this idea and I just wanted to pursue it. And it changed rather quickly because of the credit crisis. So I launched this idea. It's a, it was a blog idea. It's great. Mm -hmm. You know, I can really focus on what I know. I already have the audience in my Rolodex. But then the credit crisis happened. And of course, you'll recall, very chaotic, confusing time. Absolutely. Locally. Sure. The world was changing, right? right? Yeah. Very rapidly. And we all kind of didn't know what was going on. Well, this was even, this is more amplified for my particular segment because they work in OTC derivatives and all of a sudden derivatives are all over the news, right? Sure. So suddenly everyone knows about derivatives. Yeah. And so what that meant for me is I had to pivot quite early on from a blog, essentially, to a community. So I really focused on building a community, building trust amongst this segment where I created an online portal an information source for them to get information, but also to connect. Maybe we could pivot to you as the owner, right? Um, at, at that time, what were some of the challenges you faced in such a chaotic time as the you know business owner operator? At that time, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily so much challenges at that time. It was more challenges that I had due to my age because I was okay. in this business in my 20s. Wow. And so being young, I had to learn quite early on the challenges of being a small business owner operator, mm -hmm. particularly in this space. And so I had to learn to pivot quite quickly. And I'll, I already described, you know, I had to move to more of a community, building trust with people yep. rather than thinking it was just a blog. So I always give people this analogy of shipping, which I know nothing about, by the way. But I really viewed myself as a small speedboat. And I'm, you know, in a vast ocean, choppy waters, market conditions changing, weather conditions changing. And I have this huge ship liner next to me. That's my competition. Right. And then I'm getting the waves off of this huge ship liner. And so it was a very scary time for me because I have this great idea. I truly believed in it. I was passionate about it, but I know nothing about running a business. And so I learned early on that I needed to pivot away from the waves, you know, the risks, but I also could pivot towards the opportunities much faster. Mm -hmm. These other businesses who sure had the resources, the girth, and they knew where they were going, which is right. always necessarily an advantage, you know, I could pivot. And so for me, one of the experiences that really colored the early years was being experimental and being an early adopter in new technology. Um, and I can give you an example if you like. Yeah, no, I'd love to hear. I mean, just to recap, though, I mean, it sounds like you're saying in, in being nimble using your size to your advantage while it uh, not necessarily looking at it as a disadvantage but rather an advantage. But yeah, share your, I'd love to hear yeah. some story. So one of the things that I would give an example of is uh, webinars. So okay. back when I started, it was prior pandemic, obviously, webinars were new. They were not brand new, but they were newish technology, particularly for my segment and my space. And so very early on, within about a year of starting the business, I recognized that I really need to focus on this technology because it was an, a mode to get people together, you know, actually on like a Zoom call, on a webinar. So we had that connection. We had that community. 
and we could share different ideas because a lot of the information that we needed was not necessarily um, clarified. So it was it was uh, these online meetings and sessions with sometimes up to a thousand people. Well, we and, yeah. yeah, so we had sometimes small webinars, very specific, some huge. But my point is, is that a lot of people saw, said I was crazy. A lot of people said, don't do webinar. You got to do physical events. Everybody Ooh. wants to meet in person. Everybody wants to have lunch. But I didn't have the experience in running events and I didn't have the resources to run a huge conference. So I did it digitally and it worked. So let's take that because, I mean, you know, one of the things that we've shared in our prior discussions that, you know, your ability to overcome challenges, some of these speak to sort of who you are as an individual, I think. And talk to our audience a little bit about the, the qualities that an entrepreneur needs to have, uh, grit, things like that, that define who you are and how, how you've been able to harness that, the, those um, characteristics to help you push through some of the challenges you had to overcome. Uh, good question. I think the one thing that the one thing that really comes to mind is is in line with kind of what I've already said. And so I think for me early on, I was really driven by this idea, by this passion. And so, but I had so much to learn because I was in my twenties. And grit is a great word, Joe. But basically, I had to persevere. I had this idea, and despite the fact that, you know, I had to work very hard to be seen. I didn't look like a typical founder CEO in this space. Sure. I um, was new. I didn't have the established network. I'm a journalist, straddling business owner, publisher, all these new roles. And it took a lot to get in front of people, get in their diaries, get in their calendars, have meetings. And so I would say for me, I had to persevere and gain that confidence quite early on and also take take the hits. You know, you get rejected a lot. And so I would have little tools um, around me that would help me keep on track. What, so what are some of those tools? I love this. So one of the biggest challenges for me in general, but also as an owner operator, is I get distracted. And I try oh, to do all. everything, right? Yep. Especially Sending too many plates at once. Too many plates at once. And I yeah. think when you're an owner operator, and so many, so many people listening will understand this, you know, if you're a parent, if you're an owner operator, if you just have a huge team, the plate spinning can be a lot to handle in terms of mental load. And so I had two things that I did that were tools. And what they really did is they helped me from getting distracted and also pulled away from my mission, my goal. And I had a post-it note, a green, bright post-it note that I had on my screen every day with my mission. And if I ever had a client request or somebody say, you should do this, I mm -hmm. would sit back and look at this and go, do I need to do this? Is this in line with the values? Is this in line with what I'm aiming to do? Because sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. And are saying no, oftentimes, I think what we find with people who become successful, they say yes to so many things and it opens up so many opportunities and that gets them to a certain level. But then the problem becomes that asset becomes one of their weaknesses where then all of a sudden they, they're piling on more and more. I think there's, I, I haven't read it, but people will tell me to read it all the time. Well, guy you hear won't get you where you want to go next, right? There's a book on it. And saying no at a certain point actually is something we have to embrace. And it's not always an easy thing to do. Yeah. And I would say I definitely had that. And one of the things that I had to do that's very similar to what you just said is I had to learn to be okay with failures. Mm -hmm. When you so, say okay with failures, what, what do you mean by that? 
Well, my, my originally, like early on, I was experimenting a lot and I was doing exactly what you said. I was just trying everything and I wasn't doing it in a strategic, systematic way. So I started to having this post-it note to say, you know, does this, because sometimes you get requests from clients that are not in line with your business. You can't do everything mm -hmm. for everybody. Right. Sure. No. So I kept in line looking at the post-it note, what mine focused on. I also had testimonials. So I felt good if I had a bad day, you know, someone would say and send me an email, I would review that and that yeah. would, you know, keep me on track. But with the failures, I mean, everybody has failures, right? Yeah. So, part of life. I mean, if you're yeah. growing, if you're looking to grow. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I reframed failures as experiments. And so I told myself, myself every year, I'm going to do two new things a year, try something new. And so that allowed me to be strategic about it rather than, you know, taking on different impacts or different inputs rather. Actually, I want to pivot back real quick. What was on the sticky note? I have to know. What did your green sticky note say? Inform, educate, and connect. Okay. So that was your mission and your core values. And if it didn't, those requests didn't align with that it was probably easier to give yourself permission to say no, to stay focused on really what the mission was of, of your business, of who you were and what you wanted to create. And I think what you bring up is a critical point because I, so oftentimes I run into owners who they keep it all in their head and they don't memorialize some of these things that you hear about in business school and that you talk about, right, which are like missions and you know core values and, and what the company really stands for. And if Owners don't take the time to get that down and document it and then distribute it to their client, to the to their teammates, to their partners, to the employees very easily, right? The business is running in so many different directions. And ultimately, then you end up with a, a real big failure, right? Yeah. And I think one of the better businesses will know that it comes down to authenticity, too. If you're trying to be everything for everybody, every client whether that's you individually as a professional or your business and the reputation that that business has, you know, that's never going to succeed. People want to know what you stand for. And not that it's necessarily some grandiose goal or mission, but you sure. need to be clear with what yeah. you want your business to be doing for people. What What is its purpose? Yeah, well, there's clear lines in the sand of who, who you are as a company, who you are uh, in terms of what the clientele that you serve, what services you provide. Maybe we could pivot a little bit to your ripcord moment, your exit. Um, what allowed for that sort of shift in mindset that I'm ready to have some sort of succession event? What did that look like? Well, there wasn't an aha moment for me. Okay. I didn't have one particular aha moment. No big light bulb just went off, huh? No, because I'm truly passionate about what I do and I enjoyed it. But there were there were two mind shift changes, I'll yeah. say, that were contributing factors. So one was after the birth of my first child, I took temporary leave and I passed the business on to very capable hands. And it it worked. Whatever I had set up worked well. It thrived. And I realized that I could take a step back and not spin every plate, not hold every single rein. I could let go a little bit and the business yeah. did quite well. So that was number one. I, I want to go deeper real quick on that because you strike me as a very capable individual, very methodical and detail oriented. And so a lot of us who are wired that way, it's the notion of letting go is kind of scary. 
And so you talk about mindset shift. What was it that allowed you to move towards a mindset shift that allowed you to let go? Was it was it really the catalyst of having your child that ultimately helped you get to to that point? That was a contributing factor, but it definitely was not the sole factor. You're absolutely right. It was more of a kind of slow realization and evolution to, that led me to this path. And my second, I my second kind of factor is kind of answering your question. And okay. What it was is that I really saw that the business growth and my personal growth, because I, I mean, one of the whole reasons why I stuck with running a business, despite all of its challenges and headaches and stress, is because I was gaining so much as an individual, mm-hmm. you know, learning new skills. I, you know, I was so scared of public speaking. And I had to learn that as a skill that was integral to my business's success. Yeah. And so when I started to realize that there was a time when I wasn't growing as fast as I had been, mm-hmm. and the business growth could be greater if I wasn't holding all the reins. That was the biggest mind shift change where I was like, okay, maybe it's time for me to pass the baton to another company that has the resources and has the talent and has the vision for yeah. where the resource can grow and hopefully allows me more opportunities to grow individually as well. I mean, I love that you had that much self-awareness to realize that the that your growth was going sort of in a different direction or wasn't at the same pace where it previously was, that the rhythm had changed, and that, I mean, when a business is able to really separate itself from the owner and its growth trajectory is on a different it needs different skill sets to continue to evolve it and take it to the next level. That that I mean that that's really admirable that you were able to recognize that and not because so many owners oftentimes what they do is they can't make that detachment and they ultimately suffocate or kill the business. Right? It it ends up pivoting over from its arc on growth and going downhill. And you were actually able to transition into another owner, allowed to continue to get to even a higher level. Um, that that's that's beautiful. I mean, I love that. Um, I, I so think that, that's a good challenge to point out, though, because it's yeah. not that I didn't struggle with it. You know, it's my baby. It's my first baby. Absolutely. I was very attached to it. I still am. And yeah. So you know, working with Markets Media on various different roles, including running DerivSource. But one of the things that might help other people listening out there that at least helped me mm-hmm. was I. I knew where I had retained that value from my time and I could reflect on that and understand that that value would carry me forward as well. And so that sounds like a wishy-washy way, but I'll give you an example. So one of the realizations that I had was, and going back to the challenges, you know, I didn't have a ready-made network because often you get your network within the four walls of the institution you're working at and then, you know, other networks and all that. I had to craft my own network through... Uh, you know, I just had to do it myself through the Women Enlisted Derivatives group and and through my my own um, nurturing of relationships. So one of the things that really kept me going afterwards was realizing that all these things I had done, this network or now friends, you know, that you meet for lunch and you have drinks with and your women's groups and that sort of <clears> thing, <throat> that helped with the business, but that also gave me a better foundation to grow into other ways that is outside of my business. So you start to kind of separate yourself 
and the experiences that you had in that business. It's almost, I would imagine, when your kids go to college, right? I would you know, think so, yeah. Well, there's so many yeah, yeah. analogies that you get that I run into in the exit planning world that are likening the business to the baby and allowing it to grow. And, and so I think you're spot on. And so, you know, I call this the ripcord moment because I believe when an owner goes to sell their business, transition, it's some sort of succession event. It's like jumping out of a plane. And so many owners don't have their parachute packed. Um, that ripcord better not fail if they really want to have the kind of landing that they deserve. And so I always ask our guests for two bold action items that they would impart to other owners to think about doing sooner than later. Um, what would those two action items be if you could impart some advice? Well, I would say the two things that I would say, one is, and this is, this works for me. I would say the two things that would, what I would recommend are one is know your worth and know what you really want, not what you think you should want, what you really want, write that down on a piece of paper or wherever on your phone or something, keep it there and don't waver from it. And this might just be two things because ultimately, if you're a business owner operator in particular, the business has to continue to work for you and vice versa. You know, I truly believe that. Otherwise you're not, you're not enjoying yourself. Okay. Second thing I would say is get a good lawyer, team, agent, whatever Amen you need. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And get someone who you trust and yep. who it who knows your list and will make you accountable for sticking with what you truly want. I'm going to recap what you said because I think those are two great pearls of wisdom. One is taking time, the time to be authentic to what and taking the time to envision your life after the business because i find oftentimes owners don't take the time to do that they they may go through the financial planning that we put them through they may even hire a cpa or a lawyer but a lot of them don't take the time to do the self-reflection like you're talking about those that do i find tend to have more successful um transactions psychologically and emotionally so i'm 100 percent on board with you and yes, building a transition team, which is what we do at Morton and support our clients in doing for succession plan. Yeah, you can, no one person can really do this alone and I think have an optimal outcome. Yeah, and you wouldn't want to do it alone. This, yeah. You know, you, you not need daunting. people to bounce. Absolutely, you need people to bounce ideas off. And, you know, I would give one more one more piece Please. of advice. Yeah. I think your analogy is great for the ripcord. You know, you need to be prepared before you even get on that plane. Yeah. But... I would also say for small business owners in particular or someone who's new to a space is a ripcord moment might not necessarily be an exit. It might be I'm going to take a year off to do a PhD yeah. or go traveling or whatever. Sure. And so if you like what you've just said, if you have that opportunity to reflect and you have you really stick to making the business work for you and all those inevitables then it doesn't matter the ripcord moment. You just have to make sure you land where you want to land. No, you're 100% on. You're happy, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you have more control of your destiny when you make that jump. You're not being pushed out of the plane. Yep, so. and you, but you have to be prepared, right? You have to be prepared. Well, Julia, if anyone in the audience wants to get a hold of you, what would be the best way for them maybe to connect with you? Oh, LinkedIn, for sure. LinkedIn, okay. Well, Julia Schieffer on LinkedIn. And Julia, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today to share your story. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. This is Joe C2 from the Ripcord Moment. We're going to go ahead and sign off, and we will catch you next time.